Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore, a monthly podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crallen Allen. Hello. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Very, very true. And my dear brother Darren. Hello. Who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hello, chaps. Hey, Hello, how are you? mate. I have right. a question for you, Ben. Oh, As God. we are moving through our episodes and learning more and absorbing more knowledge from the oracle that is Darren, surely we can't claim to know fuck all anymore. We know a little more than fuck all these days, right? You'd hope so anyway. I'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, okay. I'd expect that as we go okay. on, I think what we'll have to do is evolve the intro. I was thinking maybe after like 10 episodes, we could level up, you know? So it'll be like, my name is Bankron Barber and I know almost fuck all. That's level two, <laughs> right? Right. You with me? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, right. right. I mean, at some point, we're going to be unqualified to present this because we're going to know too much. Right? <laughs> that's. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, what, what we'll be like we- in- introducing relative noob Darren Barber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could change it to uh, my name's Ben Crone Barber, and I know fuck all about the topic we're about to discuss. Hey, bingo! <laughs> that's the one. All right. Anywho. I, I realize that this is, yeah, it's really a flawed concept. I don't know what we're doing here, to be honest. Exactly. Anyway, let's <laughs> learn more. All right, Chris, what happened last week? What did we What did we learn? Last week, I don't know, but last month, uh, we finished our grand tour. <laughs> let me let me of... let me start that again. <laughs> no, no, no. That's making the edit, Ben. You fucking Damn it. Nimrod. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So last month, Darren completed our grand tour of the kingdoms and races outside of the old world, and we covered the races lizardmen who reside in Lustria in the southern areas of the. Warhammer world in what we might call Africa, but also South America as well. They straddle both continents mm. yep. kind of thing. Is that right, yeah, yeah. Darren? Yep. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Based in Lustria, which is analogous to our South America, and they're also down in the southern half of Africa as well. With their kind of aztec type culture mm. and vibes going on. The Greenskins, the Orcs and whatnot, to the east, I cannot recall what the area was called, but it was to the east of the, the, Badlands. Uh, the, the, the Old World. Yeah, the Badlands, that's it. Just no, the, dark, kind of, the Darklands. The dark they're in the Badlands the and the Darklands. They're in both, but in general, it's viewed that the Darklands are where they come from. Okay. And they hang around in the Badlands, loitering, causing general mayhem, ambushing caravans and merchants who are heading to the east to find their fortunes. God help them. The dwarves as well, who mainly reside within the World's Edge Mountains. They have various underground dwellings and cities and stuff and fighting off the greenskins in the east and then the other dudes in the other places well summarized and then finally the elves (laughs) (laughs) how eloquently put (laughs) with some stuff and shit um and the elves and there's several elves aren't they the main guys the nobles the high elves who live in Ulthuan, where no one's welcome to with their big (laughs) 
gates. They had what sapphire gates, opal gates, and emerald gates. There was a red, blue, and green vibe going on, wasn't there? The primary colors. Yeah, Bill, Bill Gates and Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, <laughs> Sapphire, and Emerald Gate. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most amazing kingdom of Ulthuan, which we'll never, ever be able to visit because they're cunts. Um, and that's <laughs> and Ulthuan is straddled by the bleak land of Nagaroth in the west, where the Dark Elves live. And then in the east is the Wood Elves. And I can't remember the name of their place. They live some sort of enchanted forest. Athel Lauren, yeah. Athel Lauren, Yeah. So that was it. That's what we uh, that's what we covered last month. Did you and write that yourself? Did I write that myself? I read it myself. Did, you- <laughs> did you read what you'd written yourself? I did, Ben. Are you proud? <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> Rate me, grade me. Tell me I'm good. Uh, <laughs> Solid B plus there, Chris. I feel like you're starting to pose a bit of competition here. This is mm, mm. this is upsetting. I am upset. I know how competitive you are. You are the newbiest noob out of the both of us. Don't you worry about that, mate. Don't you worry about that. Great stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. Darren, what journey are you taking us on this month, please, buddy? Well, I thought we'd uh, we'd start delving deep into some of the the cultures and races that we have kind of summarised in our introduction. Mm. And logically, well, at least logically to me, I thought that we might just get. Ben's love out of the way, uh, and also it was the, uh, <laughs> the the races that uh, we were fighting against when we started in Vermintide, which is Skaven. Skaven. You sound like Skaven. Ben's lovers. Skaven. Let's get Ben loves out the way. That's not even English. Let's get Ben love out the way. That's not even proper English either. <laughs> Nobody can get Ben love out of the way, Chris. That is impossible. Get out, get out of the way of Ben's love. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming right for us like a steam train it's it's as ratty as you think it is whoa 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 <laughs> ben's ratty love i feel like ben's we're getting off track here guys <laughs> yeah come on so skaven so skaven tell us about how awesome they are so the skaven can anyone remember the name of their capital city skaven blight skaven blight you would have been horsewhipped or a horsewhip if you couldn't remember that Said with all the certainty of a very uncertain person. (laughs) (laughs) So the Skaven, one of the arch nemesises of humanity and the other good races in Warhammer, are a nation of millions, possibly billions, of bipedal rats that swarm beneath the surface of the world. So Awesome. We'll chuck a map up on the show notes. But they live in something called the Under Empire, which is the London underground system if it were global. So it's just a mm. series of interconnected tunnels that go under seas, under mountains, and rise up into, in general, ruins and sewers of cities, whether they are populated or not. It vastly exceeds the Underway, which is the dwarven kingdom that goes through the world's Ed mountains and it stretches, as I've mentioned, into almost every city in the world. So they can do surprise attacks anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. You always anywhere. have to be careful of those pesky, pesky Skaven peeps. Okay. I mean, to create these tunnels, they use something called warp grinders, which looks like a jackhammer, except the the bit, as it were, is a spike of warp stone and it just melts rock, flesh, earth, anything. And they're able to 
tunnel their way through. So why does it not melt the thing that it's attached to? Uh, the grinder thing. It's scaven magic, so it casts it forward. That would be like saying, "Why do claymore uh, mines not blow up the things behind them? They're face. <laughs> they're facing something. So because it has there's a fuse and a trigger mechanism. Yeah, and they have to be combined in a certain way before they detonate and explode. All right, Chris. Or, or, or we could just sum it up with this: Why does a drill not drill itself? Deep man. Deep. Well, because the drill isn't made of something that melts stuff. Uh, it, it's also got a shaped bit that points forward. <laughs> I have another question about this warp stone on the end of this drill hammer. If the um... welcome to our Warhammer DIY show, <laughs> <laughs> that is an offshot. I would totally watch. I would totally watch that. Skaven edition of location, location, location. Squeak, 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 squeak. Anyway, I was just going to ask. So, I, as I understand it, the Skaven are absolutely bonkers for warpstone. Absolutely, but they manage to quell their appetite of warpstone when they're around these drills. Otherwise, they won't be able to get anywhere, right? Uh, yeah, the crews that man these, or the crews that Skaven these drills, in general, yes. are kind of low-level clan rat style people. They're the the ordinary bods. They would just be killed straight away if they made any move to eat the warp stone it's also yeah, but who's who's watching the watchers do you know what i mean like all skaven get moist for warp stone don't they well this is this is one of the key characteristics of skaven is they really do serve their own self-interests um okay so if an overseer sees someone doing something that they shouldn't be doing in general they'll just kill them because there's a billion other skaven for them to call on so yeah you know, life as a Skaven is pretty bleak, but it's better than death. So they'll not do anything that brings about their own death, knowing okay. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And it's fairly okay. hierarchical as well. And factoring into this as well is the fact that warp stone needs to be refined slightly before it's ingested by the Skaven. Okay. And in general, that uh, okay. th those are given out as kind of rewards and treats. It needs to be pasteurized before consumed, otherwise you might get a dicky tummy. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yes, yeah, so the Skaven, as I've mentioned, they serve really their own self-interests and then the interests of their gods in that order. They have a very kind of conniving relationship with, as Ben refers to them, the horny rat. So they're viewed in general as a subterranean terror, this unknowable force that appears from nowhere kills whatever it needs to kill or capture and disappears again it's important to understand that apart from the Tilians, who are the the kind of italians it's the one that skaven blight is nearest to the country it's nearest to in general everyone in the old world thinks that they're a myth they think they don't exist that they are effectively inventions of fools and kind of folklore really? of rural bumpkins. Because the last wow. great war against the Skaven was roughly 1,200 years ago before kind of the present day. And that was right. a, a war led by one of the emperors called Mandred Skavenslayer. Uh, so the clues in the was name Was he there, called that before the war? Yeah, his uh, his he's taken his mum's name, Gertrude Skavenslayer. <laughs> 
No, he wasn't fucking called that before the war. <laughs> what was he called? Manfred Skaven Lover. Skaven Lover. And then- <laughs> I think that might be a case of, uh, what do they call it? Nominative determinism, where your name defines what you do. <laughs> or bestiality, as we would also call it. <laughs> So a lot of them think then that the Skaven are just, it's like a story that they tell kids before they go to bed. To exactly right. Or, that there's some sort of allegorical figure of urbanized ruination. Yeah. Like if you, if you don't, you know, if you don't brush your teeth before you go to bed, Skaven will get you. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a kind of class of people within the empire specifically that are the, the sewer jacks or the sewer wardens, the sewer watch. And they're the ones that go down into the sewers Originally instituted by the Mandred Skaven lover emperor, uh, and that was to keep the sewers and cities safe and clear of the, the Skaven menace. That now has kind of evolved into a general kind of police force, as it were, that just go around and make sure the sewers are, you know, they don't include any kind of chaos mutants or orcs or goblins or a kind of human criminality so they are they still perform the same function but in general uh, unless they actually bump into a skaven which they do from time to time um they're in as much disbelief as everyone else so they don't go down there like armed ready for a potential meeting with skaven they just they, they well they go they go either. down armed and ready because they're looking to hunt out Chaos cultists, mutants, orcs and goblins, uh, any other kind of ne'er-do-well that would, you know, use the sewer as a way to get around. Mm. Right. But in general, it's viewed as a kind of ongoing policing action rather than uh, what it was originally set up to, which was to protect the world or protect their cities from Skaven attack from underneath. You said that they do now and then come across Skaven. So what happens when they do? Is it like, do they just get dismissed? Like, ah, you're tripping, brah. That wasn't Skaven. (laughs) I think in general what happens is they're viewed as a form of beast man. If if you recall from that amazing image of the polar gates where kind of people Mm. are mixed with beasts, they're viewed as a type of beast man. And in any kind of academic circle where they're even mentioned in the kind of great universities of the empire, it's viewed exactly as that. They're just, you know, an occasional random mutation. A random mutation, like splinter. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's (laughs) hilarious. They're like, huh, that wasn't a bipedal rodent. That was a half lobster, half woman, six titted, (laughs) chicken legged, aardvark faced (laughs) thing. You stupid. Yeah, exactly. You and your large rat nonsense. What? (laughs) Yeah. The Empire are a bunch of buffoons. Well, you say that, but we just look at our own own universities these days, the kind of uh, academic fortresses they've become, where if you disagree, you're ostracized. It's exactly the same process. You're a heathen. You're You're ostracized. I'd like your to ostrich. keep my genitals, please. <laughs> I like my baby ostrich. <laughs> I will keep that. <laughs> Stick your head in the sand. <laughs> or leave. 
So can they see, I mean, can they, can, when they see this given, can they see the similarities between, I mean, are they blind to the fact that they look like big fucking walking rats? Well, uh, beast men look like big fucking walking goats. So it, they're viewed as a variant <laughs> goats, of that. Goats, rats, easy to mix up. You know, I often <laughs> make the same mistake. I'm in disbelief about their disbelief. Which is like, <laughs> it's not that unbelievable in the world of Warhammer, is it? No, it really isn't. We've got magics. We've got chaos. We have ignorance on a biblical scale. But I think I do have... There, there is kind of one perhaps tenuous reason why the belief is so low is that the Skaven want it that way. There are millions upon millions of them, so they can make war in a traditional sense, and they do indeed do that. But they prefer less risky propositions like assassination or destroying a foe through disease so mm. it could be there's just a program of assassination information control yeah that's pretty smart yeah. that's pretty smart yeah, yeah so any anyone who begins to suspect something is killed you're saying uh, saying their population is in the kind of millions possibly billions would it not be more likely given the kind of rate of reproduction of rats that it's probably more likely in the kind of billions or trillions Right, because the you know the the empire is probably in the millions or billions itself, isn't it? Is the idea that there are are greater numbers of Skaven than than humans? I don't think it's trillions, but I have no evidence other than my gut feeling. It's not a ridiculous okay. proposition that there could be trillions. Let's go with trillions then. Sounds good yeah. to me. So, in general, moving from trillions to an individual, each Skaven stands somewhere between four to six feet tall, stooped over. And again, we'll, we'll stick a, an image of one up in the show notes and is covered in a kind of uh, thick but patchy brown fur. So if you can imagine a halfling who is a were rat, that's exactly what it looks like. Okay? Or just a giant fucking rat on two legs. <laughs> all right. All right. Show off. <laughs> but but it's not just brown furred standard looking rats. Alternate fur colors do denote some desirable aspect within each one. So Skaven with black fur are seen as brutal killers, and thus they become trained up into the ranks of the storm vermin, which are the kind of elite soldiers. Mm. If you remember from Vermintide, mm. these are the ones in red armor with a shield and a halberd. And they're quite they're a bit bigger as well. Aren't yeah, 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 yeah. White fur or albino rats become not only storm vermin, but they become the kind of elite bodyguards to the Lords of Decay, which is this kind of Skaven leadership council. Right. Uh, then grey fur is a sign of the horned rat's favour. They become then the grey seers, who are the kind of priests and leadership on behalf of the horned rat. Uh, the most mm. famous of who is a grey seer Thankwall, who is this kind of really a cross between a serial killer and Benny Hill in terms of <laughs> in terms of his machinations and his ability to execute those machinations. He's actually in one of the greatest figures currently available through the Age of Sigma range. He's standing on top of a four-armed rat ogre who has either warp fire throwers or these plague sensors. It's a great mini and we'll stick a picture in the show notes. Nice. What's the Benny Hillack aspect? Pretty much everything he does eventually goes wrong in a very comedic way. 
<laughs> not just wherever they go you get this awesome theme tune. Yeah, and he's also he's also chasing. And at the same time, go on. Okay, I'll stop. Done. Done. <laughs> All I had in my mind when you were doing that is the vision of uh, this hunched over rat in grey robes chasing uh, another group of Skaven in lingerie through the tunnels of uh, Skaven Blood. <laughs> yeah. And then they're Back chasing them. <laughs> Coming out of doors they never entered. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing the Scryatech T13 Portable Warp Grinder Drill. If you're looking for a mining drill with better portability but unwilling to sacrifice power and speed, look no further. With a top plate of pre-famulated omulite surmounted on a logarithmic tintagonal casting to provide increased coefficiency, the T13 by Scryatech is the most powerful portable warp grinder drill in the world. T13 portable drills feature a parametric flam in line with semi-gobular tractic valves to provide longer operational times under heavy use. And you can say goodbye to the spontaneous combustion of the older Croptic Samph thanks to an all-new differential tremulator. Don't delay, get your Scryatech T13 Portable Warp Grinder Drill now! So really that's the, that's the Skaven, so I'd like to thank you all for coming. And <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the origins. I had mentioned perhaps in the first or second episode that the Skaven are actually one of the few races that we know both where and roughly when they came into existence. So it's approximately 4,000 years before the present day in Warhammer. There was, as captured in the great poem, The Doom of Kavzar, there was a city called Kavzar. And this was a city of dwarves and men, as large underground as it was overground. It was effectively a utopia that was surrounded by these kind of shimmering golden fields of corn. And it became so prosperous that the certainly the human population wanted to pay homage and give thanks to their gods of that time. I don't know if these gods were the same gods as are held in esteem in that part of the old world, which is Tilia. Uh, so the classic gods. So what they did is they, in the center of their city, they wanted to build this enormous temple with this huge spire piercing the clouds. And they started building this and it took generations to even build the basic cathedral shape. It was so vast. And eventually, as they began building the tower, it was so high that they couldn't really get the stones up to that height, either through just the effort in moving uh, stones that high or the fact that the air became so thin that they couldn't really uh, do it efficiently. So as they were struggling to complete this tower, a man came into their uh, midst who offered to complete the tower in one night if he could also give thanks to his own god 
and the price of that would be just to add something of his own god uh, into the tower. And uh, the population kind of scoffed and laughed, but nonetheless agreed. How could one guy finish a temple uh, of, uh, you know, that's taken generations to build in one night? And yet he does. He completes the tower within 24 hours. No one knows how, no one sees him bringing any material in, but nonetheless, the tower, the, the next day, as it kind of gets into the, the nighttime, or as dusk falls, they see that the tower is in fact complete. And right at the very top of this tower is an enormous brass horned bell. So a bell with horns oh. on it. A horny bell. And so... At midnight, it begins to toll. The bell rings out. And as it rings out, storm clouds gather and there's lightning. And if you can remember, there's a, a moon made of warp stone called Morsleib. And that came to its zenith over the apex of the tower. And as the bell tolled for the 13th time, it began to rain. And over the next few hours, they saw that the rain was filled with this kind of black ash. And it kept raining and kept raining for weeks, which then turned into months. And everything about the town started to wither. People began to fall ill. The fields of corn begin to turn black. You ended up with this black corn. And so the human population came to their kind of dwarven counterparts and hammered on the, the doors of their fortress and asked to be let in. And the dwarves, being dwarves, mock them for their weakness. Showing, you know, what a bit of rain. No one's ever been killed from a bit of rain. And so they turn them away. And unfortunately, the rain continues to fall. So not only are the crops dying around them and they themselves are falling ill, but then we're looking at mutation. So mutations start to happen. Starvation, the, the people, you know, the crops are withering dead and no one can really eat them. So they're starting to uh, starve. And then the weakest among them start to disappear, effectively being pulled into the darkness. And every now and then you'll see a little ratty figure. So they're being pulled off into the darkness by the vermin. Eventually the men confront the dwarves and say, you really do need to let us in. We are in a very bad way. And the dwarves reveal that they are in as bad a way. Their minds have been flooded from all the rain. Their food has been spoiled, you know, and there's barely enough food to sustain the ones that are left. So they quite aggressively kick the humans out. Yeah. The humans then are, again, you know, their their misery continues as great huge rocks start to fall from the sky and Effectively, they're in a continuous, although sporadic, meteor storm as their city is destroyed from above. Eventually, they're so desperate that the angry humans, the population of the city, storms the dwarf fortress, breaks down the door with whatever timbers are left. And as they race in, all they find are gnawed bones and scraps of cloth, all other evidence of living dwarves are gone. So very much like Moria in the Fellowship of the Ring when they get in. Mm. And as they delve deeper in looking for food and safety, they start to see flickers around them. And so if you can imagine a hundred, couple of hundred humans, all with torches, 
And the last thing they see is just a sea of glittering eyes and sharp teeth uh, heading towards them. And the, the poem ends with the description of them being just devoured and pulled apart by a wave of rats. And that is wow. effectively the doom of calves are, is what that's called. That was epic. That was epic. I was captivated by that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have so many questions. I would like you to try and guess where Kazbar was. Hmm. Kazbar is that K A Z B A R? In rock the Kazbar. Rock <laughs> the Kazbar, isn't it? I so want to say yes. No, it's K A V Z A R. Kazar. Kad. Kazar. Kazar. It has dwarven kind of a dwarven ring to it like kazakh and things like that but it's got kind of a middle eastern sound to it too i'm you'll gonna kick say yourselves. you'll absolutely it's... kick yourselves <gasps> i know where it is whoa whoa wait you wait wait you turn wait you turn <laughs> go on chris i'm gonna say it's kind of in a middle eastern area but straddled like near some mountains as well like a mountainous middle eastern deserty scrubby area like a north africa type area egypt or morocco something like that all right that's a good guess ben can i go now <laughs> yes ben, you can go now it's in the zombie swamps fucking right it's skaven blight Kavzar turns into skaven blight <laughs> that's what i said that's what i said that's what i said hold on hold on hold on hold on let me just let me just revel in this <laughs> I feel so good. I'm finally right about something. So remind us where where the zombie swamps is. It's it's in it's near the Badlands, isn't it? Uh it's yes, it's Badlands adjacent. If you're looking at a map, it's just left of the Badlands. The zombie swamps is what's left of that really prosperous, fertile land after all the rain came down with the ash. So Chris was close, wasn't he? Because it's it's near it is towards the kind of African continent or what's analogous with the African continent. It's near Ara. What's the, the land of the dead? It's near uh, there. Isn't it? it's of the no, 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 no. It's, it's closer to what we would consider Greece. Oh. Okay. The med. Sorry, Chris. I was trying to throw you, throw you a bone there, mate. Throw you a little uh, nod on dwarf bone. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <sighs> Who the fuck was the guy? Now, no one knows. I think there's two kind of really valid options, which is either it was an avatar of the horned rat himself, so it was the horned rat, or it was one of his vermin lords, perhaps the first vermin lord, who, who if you recall, are the, the kind of enormous greater demons of the horned rat. But that's my that's my idea of who it is it, it's never been clarified okay and my other question then was you mentioned that as the as people started to die bodies started to disappear or the weaker people started to disappear and they were dragged off into yeah. the darkness now are is is it being proposed in that poem that they were dragged off into the darkness by just normal rats and that yes. the mutations that you were seeing in the humans was actually happening to those rats as well. And they kind of mutated into these human rat men. 
I mean, it's a great question. I think from reading the kind of story of the Doom of Kavzar that it's rats, it's vermin that are pulling the weak off into, I really must phrase that a better way, uh, it's vermin <laughs> who are dragging the weak off into the, <laughs> into, the, uh, into, the, into the darkness. It could be implied that these are larger giant rats that are beginning the process of evolution because these guys are reproducing so much that evolutionary changes can happen quite quickly. Especially if right, you're okay. smothering the place in warp stone and ratty magic. Right. God, that's a good story. That's a good story. It is really good. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell my children it. <laughs> I'm gonna have children and then I'm gonna tell them it. You're ratty overbitten children. <laughs> Eventually, when we get onto the ogres, I'll tell you the, the tale of the ogres and the halflings, because that's hilarious. So that encapsulates what is thought to be the creation of the Skaven. It is, of course, by most of the old world, viewed as just a myth, Skaven don't exist, that kind of idea. But nonetheless, it's a compelling idea. So 200 years after the Doom of Kavzar, so about 1800 years before the formation of the Empire, it is now transitioned into the occupied city of Skavenplight. I say the occupied city because it's probably very much still looks as it was, except, you know, ruined, but very much a, a human-built city. Mm. Uh, it's horrifically overcrowded. You now have uh, full-blooded Skaven uh, occupying the city, probably in millions, and because the fields are still producing this kind of rank black corn, which is documented as their main kind of diet. They grow this stuff. There are constant skirmishes and perhaps full wars, full civil wars, over the resources and space in and around Skaven Blight. They can't really explore too far past their own boundaries because at this stage, the old world, if we consider that, but that would include the Badlands as well, or where the border princes in the Badlands would be. It's just teeming with monsters, uh, tribes of barbaric humans, orc tribes, of course. The orc tribes have been milling around for at least 3,000 years, so they're just getting bigger and bigger and just love headbutting stuff. Um, <laughs> so what they decide to do is they get together all their sorcerers. At this stage, I don't think there are actually any clans. So Skaven right. society is a very clan-based society. They don't exist yet. So their sorcerers build this enormous steampunk-based warpstone-infused machine. So lots of brass, lots of wood, lots of glowing green dials, that kind of idea. But it's the size of you know a small town, and it's built directly underneath Skaven Blight. And what they want to do is they want to activate this machine, or the goal is when they activate this machine it will create enormous rifts under the ground, open up huge tunnels, more space for the Skaven to spread out into and perhaps explore uh, new areas, set up new settlements, that kind of idea. As the sorcerers activate this machine, it's described that there's effectively a blinding white flash and it sets off a series of enormous magical seismic activities, earthquakes, tidal waves, that kind of things that brings down mountains, 
wrecks towns and proto cities so at this stage you recall humans aren't really much of a muchness but there are elven cities there's dwarven cities there's enormous mm. orc settlements that kind of idea these are all shaken and ruined and it to some extent redefines some aspects of the coastline and it absolutely decimates skaven blight with the exception of the temple and the spire everything else is just turned to rubble and ruins so wow. if you can if you can imagine I've forgotten the name of that bloody city in Russia the one where Chernobyl was the Pripyat 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 Yeah there we go Pripyat That's uh, if you can imagine that if someone just uh, bombs the shit out of it so it's everything you know nothing goes above two stories everything else is just wow. litter and rubble on the streets the biggest kind of impact of these of this machine is that it marks the decline of the dwarven race because all of their cities and towns are built underground in the underway that runs if you recall the world's ed mountain the kind of spine of the world um mm, yep it opens up the lower levels it destroys some of them it cracks the rest open and access uh, and, and allows access to not only uh, huge underground reservoirs that flood the lower levels very, very quickly, but also perhaps lava, there's uh, tunnel collapses, perhaps whole dwarven settlements are just crushed under a collapsing cavern, that kind of idea. Jeez. But it also opens up access routes later on, or that will be used later on by the Skaven themselves, and as well as orcs and goblins, and particularly night goblins. Uh, I don't think we really delved into who they are. They're a kind of subterranean, troglodytic, goblinoid creature, and they are the bane of the dwarves. So once the population of Skavenblight have recovered from this enormous disaster, you know, hundreds of thousands have been killed, all kind of alliances for the management of resources disappear and it begins to devolve into effectively they begin devouring themselves probably literally as well as figuratively as this happens as they they kind of crowd around the the last structure the great temple in the center of Skaven Blight in their tens and hundreds and then perhaps in their thousands and you can imagine just constant skirmishing and fighting and death happening all around this temple the doors to the temple, which had been closed, swing open and 12 rat lords walk out. So masters of Skaven society, but they're all dressed in grey. And they announce that they've been imparted the will of the horned rat, which leads me to believe that it was the horned rat that orchestrated the, the error and catastrophe of this great machine underneath Skaven Blight. And they say that they've received visions and they know they need to go down to the great machine, the, this destructive force underneath the city. So they go down and as they come into what is effectively serving as the tomb of these great sorcerers of the Skaven society, they see that it wasn't a complete disaster. It did, in fact, open up huge amounts of tunnels and caverns underneath the city. And so the 12... Rat lords divide Skaven society into 12 groups or clans, and they then start to explore out into the, the wider under empire. 
So they move as mostly one group, and where they move, they're led by these rat lords into the dwarven underway, up into the World's Edge Mountains. And that's really the true beginning of the end for dwarves, because you have enormous quantities of Skaven just washing over the dwarven defenders again and again and again, until a suitable defense can be sorted out. I can see why you like the Skaven so much. They're like the power in numbers and their relentless approach. Do you know what I mean? They just throw themselves mm. at an objective. Do you know what I mean? Until fucking shit sticks. Wave after wave of my own men. Exactly. <laughs> my own rats. <laughs> I have a question about these 12 prophets. So they just fucking doors swing open. Good sound effect. They Chris. just kind of swagger out in their, um, in their flowing gray robes. And they're like... <laughs> We are superior to you, and this is what we're going to do. They didn't have to prove themselves to the thousands and millions of rats. They just said, we're cool. You ain't. Listen to what we've got to do and say. Yeah, that's it. They just threw down. Okay, cool. Just wondering. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when there's a catastrophe of such level, even we would just cry out for leadership to be told what to do. Mm. As I'd mentioned, self-preservation is their primary concern. And so if, if a Skaven thinks that another Skaven can help them survive another day, they'll follow that Skaven. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a very kind of Darwinist society. I think the thing that I quite like about them is, I like you touched on, Chris, you know, that whole kind of being able to send like wave after wave of their own rats, just nonstop. Um, it's very like Nurgle. You know, it's like, I think everybody who lives in London and a big build up cities has dispensed with the idea of ever being completely rid of vermin. Do you know what I mean? They're an inevitability. They're ever present. Yeah. Their numbers may dwindle, but the moment you take your foot off the gas in terms of, you know, prevention or, or extermination, the numbers surge again. And I think that's kind of, you know, they are a terrifying force in the world mm. of Warhammer. Yeah, you're never mm. more than 10 foot from a Skaven. Yeah, what you were saying, Ben, they're, they're very much like the Nurgles. Yeah. <laughs> Meet the Nurgles in terms of they <laughs> they thrive. Or no, maybe they go hand in hand. So the Skaven cause the death and decay, which allows Nurgle to come do his thing. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see what mm. Nurgle's... What, view. Well, let me pose it as a question. What's Nurgle's view of your feelings towards the Skaven? Because... They probably, like Chris said, they probably do a lot to help spread his message of love. Well, there, there is a there is a kind of a, a recent clan. I say recent; it's you know five hundred years old, which is Clan Pestilens, which is a clan of Skaven that their mission is to spread disease. So they're very much the ratty cousins of Nurgle forces. Right. So clan pestilence, they use warp stone to create or help create biological weapons right. and therefore spread not only their influence, but the influence of Nurgle as well. But uh, how does Nurgle feel about that? Old Papa Nurgle, Grandpapa Nurgle. Well, you can ally in the games, you can ally the Skaven of clan pestilence with Nurgle forces and vice versa. So, you know, brothers cool. in arms. You know, nice. estranged, estranged brothers in arms. Yeah, that's cool. Man. That's cool. I like that. Mm. So yeah, Clan Pestilence really does love Nurgle, and Nurgle loves it. But it's it's more a, a love of convenience than anything else. So when we last looked at them, the Skaven had just started assaulting the Dwarven fortresses, 
And really over the next 200 years, that's where the dwarves really take a, if you'll excuse the phrase, a solid rat-based pounding. And, <laughs> you know, their society starts to decline. But we'll cover that in the dwarf episodes. Skaven then just expand and expand and expand over two centuries. And in their expansion, they come across other races, some of which they ally with for you know missions of convenience, some of which kill them as soon as they can see them, and some of which they kill as soon as they see them. The constant presence of Skaven is mirrored effectively by the constant presence of humanity, and they're really in the kind of lore, different sides of the same coin in terms of their spread and their aspirations and their motivations. You mentioned that they allied with some races. What what races did they allied I mean, with? Over the years and, and centuries, they'll, they'll ally with chaotic-based factions and chaos-based faction adjacent. So anything mm, okay. that uses dark magic in general is something that they will ally with, either for the short or long term. So you right. see that necromancers are able to ally with them as are chaos forces, chaos dwarf forces, dark elves. And this kind of underpins what the Skaven were originally called in the Warhammer setting, which was chaos ratmen. That's how they appeared. Gotcha. They're like, we need something snappier. We need something which is marketable. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need to be on point with the branding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rat, ratty man, ratty man. No, ratty come man. on, Jeff. Come on, think, man, think. Ratman and the Jets. No, wait. Vermin pads. Squeaky nips. <laughs> Jeff, that corner office is getting further and further away, mate. <laughs> oh, uh, you just mentioned vermin there. I should say that when that machine, when the great machine malfunctions, it did so on what became the holiday of Vermintide. Go on. Okay. No? <laughs> and that's something we can cover at another time. Is okay. there eggnog? Is there eggnog? Harry A. Shut up. Harry A. Greetings, true seekers, to another promotion for Info Law. Where warrior scholars, true heroes like you, seek the facts behind the old world's so-called truths. This week we will talk about those devils, those horse hunts, those so-called loyal citizens that hide in plain sight, that lie as easily as they breathe, that secretly controls the realms of the old world. I'm talking, of course, about the NRO, the new rodent order, a foul collection of globalists. A globalist organization that controls the flow of information on the chaos ratmen of legend of the Skaven. Yes, my friends, they exist. Pay no mind to the lamestream town criers. I have the evidence. I have spoken to very, very high-level people. People who are in the system but who see the peril to humanity. People who would denounce the so-called scholars of the universities. The Colleges of Magic, the Imperial Court itself. Join us at the Fessering Codpiece of Humperstats in two days' time, where I will also expose the moot for the lie it is. Filthy goblins in costumes. Harry A. Harry A. Harry A. Get out of the damn way. 
I don't know, sweetheart. Your dad says a lot of crazy shit. Okay, quick question on the whole interaction with other races. Go for it. How do they communicate? There is effectively a common language in Warhammer. It's referred to as common. And this is the the bullshit idea that there's a, a shared language that all races eventually learn and then are able to communicate. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Smacks of bullshit. Yeah. I suspect <laughs> within the Skaven, within Skaven society, there are some cunning linguists there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause in like in 40 K, they all speak lo- or a common language is low Gothic, isn't it? It and is it's very yeah. easy when you're reading the stories to think that they all speak English, but of course they would be speaking a completely a language that we wouldn't understand. But there's no, so it's just just called common. It's just called common. It's effectively a human language. How convenient! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not the the squeaks that the Skaven choir presented last month. (laughs) I think the the Skaven choir, which did us all proud, I think the members of the Skaven choir. That's how they speak to each other. To the other outer world, they will speak in this common, and it's when you're reading the novels or the elements of fiction in the Warhammer army books, and now the Age of Sigmar battle tomes, that the Skaven will they will repeat a lot of words. So you know when they say like "die human," they say "die die human," or you know we must move quick quick. It's it's that kind of idea that they're just okay. uh, squeaking and repetitious there's little nuances yeah i can just see chris looking so pissed off at the idea of a common language (laughs) not pissed off i'm not angry i'm disappointed are you disappointed disappointed (laughs) i am no just disappointed Just just singularly disappointed. Just just disappointed. No, no, that's that's fine. At least it makes it easy for the franchise. That's that's the main thing. That there's a common language. The slowly building resentment that Chris has against the <laughs> Games Workshop development team. <laughs> so over the two centuries of expansion and warfare and conquest, they begin to come across deposits of warp stone which we've covered before which is effectively ratnip for skaven um, <laughs> they absolutely love this stuff they use it in their magic rituals it's a symbol of power to them uh once goes with anything can- eggs rice potatoes <laughs> pasta so versatile Uh, And once refined and consumed, it gives them a magical charge if they're of that inclination. But what it also can do is it can extend their life. In general, Skaven last about 20 to 25 years. That's their full life cycle. If they're able to live beyond that, they effectively then become incredibly long-lived. You're looking at the 200, 300-year kind of length wow, of wow. age and so being able to consume warp stone it feeds into their primary desire which is to not die and so the acquisition of warp stone not only for the individual but for, for the society as a whole is utterly crucial for the kind of continuation of their governance 
So as they explore, they begin to hear rumors from other races of this enormous deposit of warp stone to the kind of southeast of the World Edge Mountains. Effectively, what happened was a meteor had come out of Moorsleib and crashed into a mountain and buried itself within the kind of roots of the mountain. Just and motorboated itself down there. <laughs> 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 oh, God. oh God. And and following on from that, the the local population began referring to the mountain as Cripple Peak. As Cleavage Peak. You've you've just motorboated Cripple Peak. <laughs> <laughs> Crippled Peak. You can't say that. Later retitled as Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> As this Skaven looks at a chunk of warp stone, I can't quit you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that film. (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) He says. (laughs) And so uh, ultimately their desire to expand and control the warp stone deposits at Cripple Peak will lead to perhaps the greatest event that dominates the world of Warhammer, which is the rise and fall of Nagash, the Lord of the Dead, because Cripple Peak is just on the other side of the shore from his great fortress when he's expelled from Nhekara, uh, which is called oh, yeah. Nagashazar. Very much the kind of angry Sauron of the Warhammer world, and perhaps my favourite character. The angry Sauron. And Sauron was pretty angry. (laughs) And he was already pretty angry. (laughs) But really, I think we'll explore the kind of continuing history of the Skaven in the next episode, and perhaps now is a good time just to have a quick look at how their culture is stratified and have a look at some of the clans. But before we do that, does anyone have any questions so far? crippled mountain that's the source of a big chunk of warp stone which yeah, came out from peak. the moon yeah cripple peak how did the how did that chunk of warp stone get detached from the moon does the is the moon pretty like self so i'm just going to spit bits of warp stone onto the shitty planet right there <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> the um patooey <laughs> pating yeah, as we've mentioned, Warhammer has three moons, or the world of Warhammer has three moons. Morslieb is effectively an enormous chunk of uh, warp stone. It was created when the polar gates collapsed. It was a, an enormous mm. block of uh, energy that just manifested in the sky. Uh, and so is uneven, is riddled with holes. So it, every now and then, showers the world with small chunks of warp stone and every now and then a big chunk will come off the only other kind of real case of an enormous meteorite comet of uh, warp stone coming out of the moon is when the city of mordheim was devastated just a chunk of warp stone slammed right into the the heart of the city destroying it effectively and mm. it, it's also the setting for the 
great skirmish game, Mordheim, where players control a band of kind of mercenaries who go in to try and capture as much warp stone as possible because it's really desirable and can be sold. And of course, that city is also awash with the forces of chaos and Skaven. That's a long way of saying every now and then a big chunk will just fall off. It's a highly unstable moon. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Okay. Okay. Does that mean there's as much warpstone being flung out into the abyss of space as there is hitting the planet as well? And are there any stories of that? Like now there's warpstone on Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) Was that just a setup so you could make a Uranus joke? (laughs) (laughs) All of the previous five episodes were leading up to this moment. (laughs) I've been carefully moving my chess pieces. <laughs> Today is the day. And I'm done. Bye. <laughs> I thought we'd have a quick look at the kind of structure of Skaven society, something I think we'll delve into a bit more in our part three of uh, our look at Skaven. So Sk- Skaven society is very clan-based, and there are four great clans and then they're supported or in competition with other warlord clans. So warlord clans are just generic Skaven, Storm Vermin clans led by, again, as I'd mentioned, quite long-lived Skaven warlords who consume Warpstone to give them more power. Skaven society as a whole is governed by what's called the Lords of Decay. They're the Council of Thirteen. 13 being a key number in the Skaven society. If you recall, the Chaos Gods all have their own numbers, and for the Horned Rat, that number is 13. The Council of 13 is, in fact, 12. Uh, 12 Skaven, the 13th place being reserved for the Horned Rat itself, whose chair is left empty uh, at all times, just to signify that they rule in the presence of the horned rat it's also a bit of a kind of example of skaven ambition that they believe that these lords are able to sit at a table with the horned rat and uh, rule as a kind of equal which is again an insight into their desire for self-preservation and extreme arrogance it sounds quite desperately tragic as well as like no he is coming he is coming. We'll set his place because he will come back. He only went to get some cigarettes and a newspaper. He is coming back. He told me. I love my ratty dad. Father, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, I'm, I now want to hear a rendition of the rats in the cradle. <laughs> the rats in the cradle and the silver spoon. The little boy as the man in the stone moon. This is really turning into a fucking crawling musical episode. <laughs> if you can say it, then you can sing it. <laughs> I think, Ben, you've recently discovered your favorite piece of Skaven art, which is the kind of Last Supper, mm. re-envisaged so as the Skaven Council of Thirteen. That sounds yeah, because cool. the because the lump of warpstone is sat in front of an empty chair, isn't it? That's yeah, got yeah, yeah. The kind of horned rat head at the top of it. Very, very cool. Yeah. So there are representatives from various groups at this Council of Thirteen. 
amongst which are representatives of the grey seers. Now, if you recall, I mentioned at the start that these are the kind of prophets and priests of the horned rat. They're also the kind of key operatives, in quotes, of the Council of Thirteen, the Lords of Decay. So Gracier Thanquil, which is one of the greatest Skaven characters ever written, is an operative of the Council of Thirteen. He's sent on special missions. I mean, in one of his missions, he destroyed half of the city of Nuln in the Empire. He did not intend for that to happen. He intended to conquer it. But what happened is that he was betrayed during the mission and his uh, the, the warlord clan that came with him was effectively destroyed. Now, he thought he was going to be killed by the council for this kind of gross incompetence, but it turns out that the warlord clan in question had planned to betray the Council of Thirteen, so he is the kind of recipient of a kind of malign synchronicity that comes with being a prophet of the Horned Rat. Things work out in general Mm. for you. (laughs) Wow. Every cloud. So within the Council of Thirteen, there are the four great clans, and these are Clan Scryer, Clan Pestilence, Clan Eshin, and Clan Mulder, not Clan Scully. They're a warlord clan. Um, the other nice. representatives on the Council of Thirteen are warlord clans. So these are just kind of military types who lead enormous packs of Skaven under their own banner. But moving back to the, the great clans, the great clans really encapsulate a single aspect of uh, Skaven society as a whole. So Clan Scryer, they are the magicians and kind of engineers. So all the great Skaven war machines, like the Doom Wheel, the Screaming Bell, Warp Fire Throwers, the Globideers, those grenade guys that we oh, hate yeah. in Vermintide, God, all of cool. them are f- either from or were built by Clan Scryer. And in Warhammer, the, the greatest amongst them uh, was a Skaven warlock called Ikit Claw, who is so in tune with Warpstone that he accidentally set himself on fire. Uh, so he's this kind of mangy-looking rat with a bionic arm that has a flamethrower attached to it. It's a great figure. <laughs> nice. He's so in tune with Warpstone that he set himself on fire. Yes. Like spontaneously just combusted. No, uh, he was so focused on what he was doing, he didn't realise that the work fire thrower he was working on malfunctioned. So yeah, maybe I misspoke there. Okay, yeah, no, I yeah. thought like he was so spiritually aligned with it that, wow, now I'm on fire. <laughs> Flambe! <laughs> <laughs> What's That's that how smell? in tune with stuff I am. I, I, I combust <laughs> for no reason. It's the heat of his passion. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. No, he was he was tinkering away, and boom, third degree burns. The okay. the next clan then is Clan Pestilence, and we touched on them already. They are in tune with the idea of diseases and plagues, really encapsulating the kind of the dread and diseases that come with vermin infestations, and they've been really the kind of primary agents of the. Lords of Decay in terms of uh, instigating the Great Plagues. Like when Mandred Skavenslayer rose to power, that was on the back of something called the Black Plague that was released. And that destroyed three quarters of all human life in the old world. 
it just decimated, Shit. well, more than decimated, it quartermated uh, everything that was there. <laughs> Three quartermated. Nice. Cool, blimey. Love it. So they are, if you recall from Vermintide, the plague monks and the plague priests are the guys in the green cloaks that kind of attack you in a frenzy. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- those are adepts of clan pestilence. They just drag you away and start slashing at your belly. Ah, no. Those are no. Uh, different ones. Those are uh, the, the kind of gutter runners of the next clan, Clan Eshin. Uh, and Clan Eshin are the ninja rat splinter wannabes of Skaven society. And they're the ones that drag you Dope. off in the game and uh, just stab you with the warp stone claws. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So this is the clan that specializes in covert warfare and assassination. So I think when we talked earlier about how the Skaven are not really believed in, they're the agents that go in and kill whoever thinks they know about Skaven. Uh, I see. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, okay. so this was a clan of Skaven that went off to the east, and when they came back, they were ninjas, effectively. Cool. They went off for training. <laughs> kind of a bit like Batman. Batman. Ratman. Yeah, it's like, what's his name? What's Batman's name? Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Bruce Wayne. He went mm. away, didn't he? He went off, he did, he, did his training, did a meditation, mm. ate a sausage, came back. Came back as Ratman. Came back as a Skaven. And so the, the final great clan then is Clan Mulder, and these are the Beastmasters of the great Skaven Under Empire. I can't hear you say that without hearing it in a Welsh accent. <laughs> Things are getting strange, I'm starting to worry. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a case of Mulder and Scully. <laughs> There you go. I mean, I think this this is a great episode, but the royalties we're going to have to pay are fucking outrageous. (laughs) So these are the these. This is the clan that specialises in breeding things like the giant rats, rat wolves, which are a cross between a rat and a wolf, uh, and rat ogres, which are (laughs) shut up. Never, never would have guessed that. (laughs) And the enormous abominations as well. The great kind of heaving masses of rassy flesh. And so these are the pack masters and we've come across pack masters in Vermintide as well. These are the ones that come at you with the man catcher spear and pull you away. The ones that kind of lift you up and try and strangle you to death. I wonder whether clan Mulder, Mulder would be suggestions because I've got to say, I think that a badger rat hybrid, I think there's something there. Because they, they're uh, well, both borrowers, o- aren't they? You know that already exists in Scotland. It's called a Raja. <laughs> are you a wee Raja? Oh, look, a wee Raja over there. Go on, you wee fucking Raja. So, in summary, the Lords of Decay control Skaven society based on their understanding of the will of the Horned Rat. They are advised by the Grey Seers, who are as conniving as they are uh, effective. Under them, then you have kind of four great clans and an innumerable number of warlord clans with clan scryer being the engineers clan pestilence being the disease and chemical warfare specialists clan eshin being the assassins and actually used quite effectively as messengers as well and clan molder being the animal beast handlers and kind of 
monster makers of Skaven society. And those four clans sit atop the innumerable warlord clans of Skaven society, effectively ruling them slash allying with them as needs to be able to meet the goals of the Lords of Decay. And I think, guys, that's a good place to stop for this month because that will serve as a good foundation for looking at the kind of expanded history of Skaven society from the Battle of Cripple Peak onwards. Nice. Cool, that was awesome. man. That was so cool. I don't know if you remember, Chris, a few episodes ago, you, you used the expression, fuck the Skaven man, which I, you know... I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't particularly happy to hear. Has mm, this mm. you know, has this changed your mind at all? Are you are you a Absolutely little bit Absolutely not. No, fuck <laughs> the Skaven, big time. Oh, um, I told you, Chris, the Skaven will fuck you. Yeah, well exactly. That's why fuck them first. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I but yeah, yeah, the Skaven still give me the heebie jeebies when I think of them. But they've got a very cool backstory. The, the, they you know, how they came into existence. That was that was gripping. That was that was really quite cool. Which uh, which clan is your the assassination ninjas? I like those guys. Assassination cool. ninjas. Yeah, what the <laughs> echelon? Esh echelon? Eshin. Eshin. And the greatest assassin amongst them is someone called Death Master Sneech. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a baseball cap on a jaunty angle? And he's always late for class. <laughs> Has a ghetto blaster on his shoulder. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What's uh, what's your favorite clan? He likes uh, Clan Mulder, boyo. Mulder, he does. Boyo. Nice. No, I, I, I agree with Chris. It was a terrible accent. Action? <laughs> Whack action. Yeah, I got to agree with Chris. I, I, I think the idea of kind of ninja ninja rats. Who doesn't love Saboteurs. a ninja? Saboteurs. Yeah. Yeah. Evil splinter, basically. Evil splinters. Yeah, definitely. Do the um, yeah. question about that. So you've got Clan Plestilence or Pestilence or... Yeah, um, Pestilence. That one. They seem to be the ones that give rats the bad name in terms of their disease-ridden thing. Or do they inherit? Do all vermin kind of carry a bit of scabies? Just as standard. I think scabies. Do you think that's how the scaven got their name? No. In fact, I can tell. I can tell you how they got their name. They were designed Mm. by the kind of primo figure designer of Games Workshop, who is the kind of head of figure design to this day, uh, Jez Goodwin. Richard Scaven. (laughs) <laughs> Richard Skaven. Just call me Dick. Skaven, Skaven comes from the word scavenge. Ah, uh, So, in fact, Chris, your original pronunciation of scaven might not... Yeah, it's original. You see? Very old school. Yeah. Mm, You're wrong. Mm, mm. <laughs> well, you know, mm. we'll give you some <laughs> points for... Just coincidentally being closer <laughs> to the original. <laughs> All right, I'm wrapping up. I am wrapping okay. up. I, hang on. I like Clan Skyar. Thanks for fucking asking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 33% of the time you guys forget about me at the end. <laughs> You've been talking all episode, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, quiet down, you. Should pipe down. <laughs> I like Clan Skyar. So anyway, tell you why. thanks again for joining us for another <laughs> enthralling episode of Who Cares What Darren Thinks. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much I'm done. I'm done. I'm done.
Okay. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the topics we've discussed in this podcast, you can find all the reference articles in the show notes. We'll be back again next month displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, see ya. Ciao. See you later.